You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Well, grand rising and good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Update Show. I am your co-host, Trey Holiday. want to welcome you to a wonderful Wednesday as we see that sun percolating out there, um, you know, kind of shining through some of those clouds. Uh, always sunny days here in the Black Media Matter studios. And I want to send a special shout out to All in the Zone Tees. I, we're celebrating here, you know, Black Health also matters, though. I got to do this with my co-host, Big O. What up, Big O? First of all, Trey Holiday, you are the sunshine. Hey. I like figuratively and literally, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right up here today. That's a dope shirt, too. Black health does matter. And, you know, looking at that, I think that, that well, one, you know, I shared this with our audience uh, earlier this year. Like, this is finally got real health insurance, yeah. like, you know, like this year, you know, so I, I'm like really going to the doctor and everything else. And you find out, right, that when I didn't have health insurance or the most basic health insurance, man, there's a lot of stuff that was either misdiagnosed or not caught because of cost. Mm -hmm. So like I, I suffered an injury in 2020 and because an ultrasound cost too much, they never diagnosed it. They told me to go, you know, and do something else. But that was because I didn't have proper insurance, right? And now that I got like proper insurance, like I'm, I'm everywhere. This, 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 this. Ah, man, you know, the black health matters physically and also mentally. And that's, that's, man, that's where it's catching us, man. Absolutely. This is why we got to really be appreciative for services and organizations out there that are intentional to provide free therapeutic services to black community members. You know, shout out to Washington Therapy Fund, our girl, Ashley McGirt, everything that they're doing over there. You know, when you look at the reports of all of the people that they've been able to help, it's phenomenal, man. And it's definitely necessary. Yo. Yeah. I, you know, Washington Therapy Fund and, and other organizations that are out there reaching out in the community, I think that, you know, we face two two obstacles or hurdles in our community is one, just access to culturally relevant, you know, therapists and therapy. And then two, being a black man, you know, the, the, the stigma around, you know, a therapy and therapist. And also I want to uplift Ashley McGirt and the work that she's doing and other black therapists that are out there. And I think it's important as well because, you know, in our community, we got a lot of people who, man, are well-intending and wanted to, to work on healing each other, right? And I, I would say that I, one thing in talking with Ashley is that it's important in community that when we're talking to people, right, whether whether they've, they've got the alphabet soup behind their name or whether or not that the people that we're talking to, yeah, anybody can tear off the scars, but you know what I'm saying? Can they help you heal? And that's why we're always cautious here on the morning update show. It's a lot of people who've suffered a lot of loss. And the one thing I always talk to them about is like, man, I'm, I'm skilled. My skilled is asking you questions and asking those questions might tear those scars off. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the, the scabs will hold us in, but I don't have the skills to put you back together. And so it's, it's a lot of people who's like, man, I'd love for you to come on and talk to, but you know, I, I feel responsible 
You know, if if you come here and you're in a vulnerable space in front of everybody here and we don't have the toolkit to help put you back together. So that's one thing that we're working on here in the Morning Update show is a lot of people who want to share really their, their life experience. But we want to make sure that when they come on the show here, they're not leaving worse than when they came. I think it's so important, you know, and not enough media outlets even think about that. So that really is a testament to how Converge Media is so embedded in the community because we're part of the community and we care that much. I agree, oh, that, you know, when particularly when we have had people come on, it's been because they really are like, no, I need to share this. But you are so right to be thinking about how do we ensure that we're connected to services on the other side because it is important for our people in our community and also we talk about this often breaking that stigma of you know needing that kind of help right and that, that you know it has an impact on us as well absolutely you know it's it's been more than a few tears shed in here over the years between me and you um and just um interacting with some of our guests and what goes on here in the community and so who, who did you say made this shirt yeah, this right here is All in the Zone. Oh, so um, you guys can find them at allinthezone.com. Our guy, Elijah L. Lewis, man, doing uh, it big. So, Well, I was going to say, well, that's good stuff with Elijah because that shirt, imagine if you didn't wear that shirt this morning, we wouldn't have this conversation. And so, you know, it's more than just words on a shirt. Like it sparked a conversation that's hopefully meaningful to our audience. Absolutely. Man, we got a great show lined up today. We got the doctor. Dr. Dwayne Chappelle, he's director over there. There he is. Look at that great photo. You know what I'm saying? Not too bad for somebody who used to hang out at Rainier Beach. Uh, the director's in the building here, man. They got they got investment coming to community, so we're going to talk more about that. Mike Davis is on. Man, he's in the mix, so we might get Mike in. We might not. He just hit us. So we'll, there, there's Mike right there. We'll play that by ear. Um, Brian's not joining us live today, but he did send us something. You know, it's a, lots of conversation there at City Hall. It was in committee yesterday, the um, police incentives and everything else. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. He sent over a clip. Ready to go? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Update show. want to remind you that right now is the perfect time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead and tag and share the stream with people you feel would appreciate culturally relevant news and information emanating from right here in the Emerald City. want to give a big shout out to our partners, KBCS 91.3 over at Bellevue College and also the South Seattle Emerald. You can listen to the Morning Update show anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast putting the link to SoundCloud there in the comments, but you can also go to Google, Spotify, iTunes. All you have to do is search Converge Media Network. Time in the show right now, um, talk about hereforuswa.org, um, culturally curated information for those who have questions and concerns about, man, COVID, like COVID, the story. Well, really, inflation is like the story. <laughs> That's <laughs> a bull. You, you know what I'm saying? You know what? When, when they talk about uh, when they talked about COVID, they were talking about uh, people having pre-existing conditions. You know what I'm saying? So now it's COVID and, and inflation. <laughs> um, but man, you know, a, lots of resources, especially you know, people in our community who um, you know who are vaccine hesitant, and I can't really blame them when you really see how this thing is on. If you're sitting there from the sideline. You know, watching all this stuff, it'll make your head spin. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's been a whirlwind of information since the beginning. And, uh, you know, we, we always talk about that. There were so many resources flooding the community. People didn't really know how to disseminate all the information. And so that's what started the morning update show. But it's so interesting because here we are years later now, and these same uh, concerns are still floating in the community. So I'm really grateful to hear for us. Please check out this resource if you still have questions, you know, that you want answered. But also, if you're just trying to hear from different people that look like you and hear their stories around maybe why they got vaccinated or why they were hesitant, I think it's really important to really have that genuine opportunity to hear from others. Yeah, no, for sure. Big And big shout out as well. Um, Public Health, Seattle, King yeah. County. I talked to them the other day um, and we're actually putting together some graphics and, and things like that really talk about where where the situation is at here in uh in king county so we following up last night let me tell you the truth with proof this brother proof in the play is thriving in his purpose like we talk about that but he is thriving in his purpose and it took us a while you know everything mama mama says i said a mama says in a while Mama says that there's a time and a place for everything. And, you know, everything has a season and proof in the plate is blossoming. And his show is awesome. And his guests are amazing. It's not mine. You was here last night. Vaughn was here too. How was the food? Look, you see that big old smile over there. Yeah. <laughs> so they're over here eating and, and, and great conversation, everything else. I tapped in afterwards. I was at the, the Grammy thing last night at Mopop. So I watched the show on replay. And uh, Romel Witherspoon, who's the head women's basketball coach over at um, at Bellevue High School. I think he went to Rainier Beach. Yeah, he went to look at look at, <laughs> look at Director Chappelle. He did. Wow, yeah. yeah, no, he played on a few championship teams there, back to back to back. Man, Coach says something last night. You ever, I was kind of laying in bed and I watched it. He said something last night that made me just stand up. And I mean, it, it really spoke to me and I wanted to share this with the audience. And what I took out of this was that durability is greater than uh, ability. Durability is greater than ability. And man, you, you can't quit. You have to see it through. Y'all can see somebody go to LA Fitness right now and burn the whole gym up. But as soon as they get under the whistle, everything changes. They're passive. The coach start yelling. They're mentally, they're in their own way. All of a sudden, you're like, yo, he under delivering. He's not performing that because his mind is in handcuffs. So if I'm, and this is the conversation that I think every coach should have, at least that I have with myself. If I put a player on the floor and that player doesn't produce, how much of it is that player's inability to produce and how much of it is my inability to teach? Okay. Like, how do I blame that kid over and over and over if I'm unconditionally going to deposit in you? That means I can't condition it based on your productivity because some life, some things in life you got to learn on the job. So you're, I don't coach mistakes, nor do I coach players. I coach people. So I'm the type of dude that will call a timeout and we'll be down 30. And I'm like, you got two choices right now. You can fold. I see your family over there and I see you panicking. I see you about to I, I see you about to unravel or you could train your mind right now to finish all the way through, because in life, sometimes it's the first one to quit. It's not about who's better. It's not about who's stronger. It's not about who's faster. Everybody's tired. That's how I know proof durability is greater than ability. Yeah. So that's my that's going to be my mantra. That's going to be my philosophy. Who doesn't want to be a part of something like that? And all of a sudden 
Fatigue means less and less because your mind is one track focused on the common goal. I love this message 100%. And I'll tell you, you know, my son uh, has been, you know, having that kind of uh, durability of the mind, so to speak. But even for him, it was like, man, you know, do I really want to do this? He's been in that mindset of really assessing, you know, as he's about to be a junior, what his next move is. I really appreciate this message because I think we can all take something from this. Um, I think about this in my personal life. And right now we're in a cycle of hyper focus in terms of like the seasons and the planet. And I love this message at this time, oh, because so many of us need to hear this, whether you're a young person or adult or an elder, this is still something that I think applies to us all, oh, man. Perfect message. Yo, durability is greater than ability. And we hear because we show up every day, irregardless, you know, and we down, we, we're here today and we, we aspire, like we, our aspirations are big, but I never forget that it's the durability of when I was telling somebody the other day to com converge, you know, we always envisioned video from day one, but we couldn't afford no cameras. So it started with pen on paper, blogging, you know, it's the durability of it. You know, you, you, write, you write a blog post, you might get, you know, six views, write another one. Write another one, write another one. And then you write something, somebody else picks it up. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? It inspires you. Keep writing another one. Keep working. Say, still can't get a camera. Well, man, I can re up my phone and, and get a camera phone. Well, that's going to be, you know, that's how, man, durability. And so it just really resonates with me because that's like our story here at Converged. This, it wasn't an angel investor or this and that, or it's a mega grant or anything. It's just people's willingness and want to, to show up every day. And it's just the durability. There's so many other media companies, big and small, that got way more resources than us and everything else. And I think what separates us is our durability and our commitment to be here every day. It's so true. I mean, we all experience that here at the Converge team. You know, it is uh, for me, there's this driving force of the necessity to center black voices in narrative, in storytelling. And also, um, as I said before, because we are actually in the community, we know the amazing brilliance that's happening all around us. We're included in it. We're invited to it. We get to join in. We collaborate with it. The idea that we understand that and that we know, for me, this has to have that level of focus in terms of really centering black voice. This is why I love us having Black Media Matters right here in the building because it is so true. And you hear it from people outside all the time about how much they appreciate us centering voices that are not centered in any other media happening right here in Washington State, maybe throughout the Pacific Northwest. We keep hearing it as we go travel all over the country and outside of the country. There's something unique about how we center Black voices, and it is so necessary. I love that. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything, you know, I mean, there's definitely nothing wrong, and it's everything right in saying that this is a space that centers Black voices. Yeah. Period. Just like the period up there. Yeah. Black media matters. Period. You know, and in doing so, though, the benefit to the larger community is, is that a lot of issues that impact black people, then when we're centering around it, they are, they're also impactful for other communities. And that's where people find value. 
Director Chappelle is sitting here today in the Black Media Matter studio because we're, we're talking about things, um, the, the programs that they're rolling out there. But what the, the, the programs that you're talking about also benefits the municipality as a whole. So people should realize that centering around black voices, you know, a lot of people get benefit out of that. Is you know what I'm saying? Well, well beyond our community. Absolutely. Oh, you're 100 percent right. And uh, for me, that's exactly why I think people outside of the black community tune in to Converge because they understand. Like, man, I wouldn't know about any of this if I wasn't watching Converge. It wouldn't be centered anywhere else. It's not being featured anywhere else, and it's so true. So I really appreciate that that you said that because it's not just for black community, just because we're centering black voices, a lot of people are benefiting from all of the amazing stories and the inspiration of our guests that we bring right here on to Converge. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, it's dope. That yellow's popping. <laughs> I, I'm restricted with, with my color wave, though. You know what I'm saying? There's a few, there's a few colors. I, I wore pink one time, like three years ago. I got lots of compliments. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yellow is, is it'd be a stretch for me. Yeah, yeah. It look, look good on your skin tone. Try it. Well, almost everything does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, look, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, there he is, Dr. Dwayne Chappelle. Big dog over there, deal. And we, we talk about some investment in community. You're watching the Morning Update show. As a non-binary black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with black folks to be clear about what we're doing. I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us. It's Trey Holiday, and of course, Besa and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us, and let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Faisa. Make sure you go check out Market Street Shoes, y'all, and you too can walk out with some dope gear. All right, welcome back to the Morning Update Show. It's my pleasure, and I, I, I say that sincerely. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the Black Media Matter Studios, Dr. Dwayne Chappelle. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. As always, it's always an honor to be here. Yeah, no, you know, you always bring a good vibe in here. And it's it's something that's near and dear to us at Converge, man. And that's that's education, especially early learning and uh, 
investment in our young people and everything else. So, you know, uh, and I, I told you guys before, anytime you got news and information to get out that's impactful for these young people, these students, these kids in this city, man, this door is always open. Yes, you have said that. And I uh, appreciate you opening the doors for us because you the, just listening to what you were just mentioning a moment ago um, is just so inspirational. And I want to make sure as long as I'm, I know this title, the Director of Education and Early Learning, is I'm in this role and I have an opportunity to influence our kids, our families and community. Um, that's what it's about. And I'm going to definitely leverage your expertise um, to get the word out. All right. Good stuff. So. Um, just for people who don't know, you can you can quickly tell everybody what DEAL does. Yeah, so the Department of Education and Early Learning, we um, basically, um, we are, we oversee all of the uh, early learning through birth, through uh, post-secondary investments for the city of Seattle. Uh, we have four goals, making sure students are kindergarten ready. Once they enter kindergarten, we want to make sure that uh, when students are in high school, that they're going to graduate and college, be college and career ready. Uh, we want to make sure that when they graduate from uh, high school, that they're going to obtain some type of post-secondary degree or certificate. And, and at the end, we want to make sure that um, our students are healthy and successful as they're, as they're progressing through. So that's ultimately the uh, high-level overview of what we do at DEAL. Yeah, no, nah, deal, DEAL is dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we've been t man, I, I, and I'll say this, and we'll jump into this stuff, is is because from day one, like, you can go back years now, we've been talking about educational gap and, and the gap, um, with, especially with, with black children in, in Seattle public schools. And I think that there's, there's always a conversation and then there's the action side of it. And so a lot of people, they don't really know about Dill too much unless Dill pops up on the radar. But you guys have been consistently working behind the scenes with so many different partnerships, Seattle Public Schools, with Seattle Colleges, with, with early learning providers, with daycare providers, and everything. It's, it's almost like a holistic approach that's behind the scene. And we know that it takes years to see results on things. You know, the education process, it isn't like a snap of a finger or even the fix of a bridge. You know, it takes years, but it's just good to know that y'all have been so invested in this process. Yes, you know, that's and, and what you just mentioned is invested in the process, but you also just mentioned the uh, collaboration it takes to make sure that our scholars are going to be successful. You just mentioned Seattle Public Schools, our uh, preschool providers, the uh, Seattle colleges, our community. Uh, we all know that that being a parent, that's the you, we're, we're the first educators from the beginning, from the jump. Uh, but it takes that collective effort just to make sure that our scholars are going to be successful. And that's pretty much why I'm here today, because of a couple of things we have going on. Right. And so we got the why, why we why we called you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why we called you? We got this uh this this press release from Sage a while ago. Well, not too far long ago. Uh I think some days ago. And it says the deal announces up to 1.5 million in grant funding for cultural education and leadership opportunities su supporting historically underserved youth. So why don't you tell us all about it and then we'll talk about the two different programs. Absolutely, yes. So right now we do have uh, the culturally responsive, uh, culturally um, um, education uh, RFI that's out right now. And what it does, it'll allow uh, community-based organizations up to 
$150,000 to be awarded uh, to implement some culturally um, um, responsive programming throughout the city. And just again, as, as you was mentioning earlier, just talking about your journey and how you and Trey have been here, uh, have been this outlet, that's you know something what we wanna make sure that these dollars are gonna be doing is giving um, community-based organizations opportunities to affirm our young scholars' identity, um, affirm their culture, and have them learn ways to be successful um, at the end of the day. Because we know that um, our students, spe specifically our uh, students of color, BIPOC students, need to see them themselves being successful, and they need to see um, other others that are doing what they aspire to do in the work. And this funding actually came from back in 2020, the Equity uh, Communities Initiative, um, a group of community members, BIPOC community members, basically uh, wanted to create or uh, continue some uh, culturally relevant investments that's happening. So that's how we actually got here to these funds today. Um, and that's what that one is about. Right. And so this is great. This is up to $150,000 for organizations that you said they can reaffirm run it through that one more time. absolutely it's, it's culture is culture building uh, affirming folks identity right and um ultimately uh basically closing race-based opportunity gaps and and allowing certain type of programming that's culturally relevant uh for our, our scholars to participate in um multiple um enriching activities i'll even uh give you one for a couple for an example uh, we have a rewa a refugee, refugee Women's Alliance, um, they're doing a lot of culturally programming, culturally responsive programming. They even have some STEM programming there where they uh, took their young scholars um, to uh, flight school and allowed them to learn about being, you know, doing flight in there. Uh, and this is an organization serving our, our students that are uh, English language learners. And so that's just an example. We also have some mentoring like in Seattle public schools around the Kingmakers focusing on young black males. So we just want to make sure that it's uh, more, you know, culturally relevant to our community. When you mentioned Kingmakers, it reminds me how many times we've talked to you because right. we talked to you about Kingmakers. So that that's the uh, youth leadership and cultural education. Can you put that, that slide up? Uh, yep. So there that is right there. And Salman is going to put that link in the comments. We got some, uh, and that link will take you right there to the, to the deal webpage there in the city. Um, and, you know, I wanted to say this is that you're right. When you, when you talk about it's like culturally responsive, is that man, everybody learns differently, right? And I think that if people, if we could acknowledge that, then a lot of these things would just be like normal, you know, that everybody learned because, you know, it's just the lived experience of it. And we have a population here in Seattle that might have a, uh, might come from an affluent neighborhood that, that has a, you know, an unabridged learning experience generationally, you know what I'm saying? Maybe they've lived in the same home in the same neighborhood and everything else and their experiences and their opportunities to access. And that's dope because that's their journey. But there's, there's other students here in the city of Seattle, young people, man, whose, whose journey has been different and they also learn a bit different. You, we, we might have some of our young people that have grown up in, in a home with, with their elders and there ain't really been internet and everything else, but it's been so much oral history. You know what I'm saying? And so they, they learn through this, the, you know, through, 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 through conversation. We, we have other young people where it's like, man, we got to take them out their comfort zone because seeing is believing. 
right? Somebody else might grow up in the neighborhood knowing like, yeah, man, I, man, I could be a pilot. You know, I have an uncle who's a pilot or, you know what I'm saying? I had so-and-so who was in the Air Force. And we got kids who could never imagine that until they sit there in a cockpit on Boeing Field or something. So being able to create opportunities of tapping into how different people learn is important. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's part of like our second investment that you just mentioned. I think it's a good segue because um, you, our second investment that we have out is around uh, uh, educator diversity. And what you were just talking about, those experiences, right? There's research that out there that says for black students that um, if uh, from the age of kindergarten to third grade, um, if a black student sees a black teacher or a teacher that looks like them, they're 13% uh, more likely to graduate from school on time if they see more than that. Uh, if they see two, they're like um, um, almost 30% more likely to not only to graduate from high school, but attend college. And that's pretty much what our second investment is. It's around educator diversity. We know that um, in the state of Washington, and, and this is data from the uh, uh, state of Washington um, Department of uh, OSPI, basically, and there's about 79% of the teachers in the state are, um, are uh, 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 white, right? And so where, you know, in, in the Seattle area, you know, 55% of the students are students of color. So what we want to do is make sure that uh, there's opportunities out there for community-based organizations to do professional development, training, and to really help influence our uh, 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 educators of color, educator people of color, look like you and I, uh, black males um, to go into education, um, not and 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 really again the data speaks for itself. When you know the teachers, um, students of color are more successful. Um, you see decreased uh, suspension rates. You see increased um, opportunities for advanced place placements. Students being placed in advanced courses, uh, and there's so many positive data attributes to on-time graduation, to attending uh, more likely to go to college. And so that's what we want to do with this other investment is to make sure that the same thing that CBOs out there can apply up to $150,000 to help um, meet those goals. And I, and I, and what's going through my mind right now is that uh, <laughs> I was watching a show a couple of days ago and um, I saw uh, uh, Brother Kyle on here, uh, Devonair, right? Uh, opened up his shop down in Pike Place and um, just hearing him speak and just knowing, like, how do we make sure that we have educators like Kyle? Because Kyle used to be a teacher. I don't know if he mentioned it in his thing. And then he aspired to open up his shop that's doing great down there. Um, and so that's just what I think about. How do we make sure we have folks like that, folks like you in front of our kids to aspire them to do whatever it is they choose to? I'm going to tell you this much. So it's a few things, right? Is one, I'm a history buff. So I don't know if Washington State history is still taught in the ninth grade with the green book, but wherever it's taught, you know what I'm saying? I have no problem popping into classrooms over here, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and popping into the Washington State history class. But, man, any anything, and I'm, I'm so sincere about this, anything that that I can do, I know Trey agrees, and some of these these man, the, everybody who works here, anything that we can do to be present. You know, there, there's, only, there's only two type of people that I'll drop everything for. That's our young people and our elders. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, it, I'll cancel all meetings, whatever, to show up for our young people and for our cherished community elders. So anyway, 
anything we can do. We need to be in the school. You just tell us where to be. Tell us what program to be at. Tell us how to, you know what I'm saying? We'll be present and we'll be ready and everything else. Let's boost them numbers up. So then the numbers like, okay, well, man, here's the teachers right here in the classroom. And here's our community support. You know what I'm saying? Here's here, man, I, I would love the opportunity to be able to, you know, to, in whatever I can do, you need me to go chaperone, be on a field trip or something. Y'all call me. <laughs> I will definitely. Thank you, thank you for that. And this right here, what you're doing, is is I mean, you is it, you, it's unquantifiable right now. Um, this is this is a huge blessing. You letting us use your uh, social media platform um, to get this word out. I mean that that says enough right there. So I thank you for that, and I just continue to appreciate everything that you're doing. You, you're, you're doing some great work here, but that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that these next scholars, whether they graduate from Garfield, Ballard Beach, um, that look like us, people are, are BIPOC students, that they can become the next converged media. They can do what it is. And, and you, you're the prime example of why I'm excited about this. Yeah. And the best thing is, is I'm going to tell them that if they trying to be the next converge, they shooting too low. They 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 need they need to be the next Comcast Xfinity on a platform. So you know what I'm saying? Satellites and I'm gonna I'm shoot them the real game. I'm gonna be like, yeah, we cool, but you the next generation, you got to shoot for the stars. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, but I, I know we got one more thing to talk about. And before we do, I want you to, if you can, please recap these two programs. Yeah. So we have two requests for investments out. We have one around culture education and student leadership. Um, and we have another one that's around educator diversity. Please uh, go to the website, um, www.seattle.org slash deal, um, and look and see and apply. Um, I guarantee that you'll enjoy what you see out there, and it'll be something worthwhile to support our scholars. Um, so those are the two things that we have happening right now. Um, and the dates, um, one ends May 26th, and I believe one ends May 13th. I will double-check those dates just to make sure. Yeah, well, either way, that means y'all got to shake a leg out there, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's uh, and well, me and Trayana here will figure out a way as well to to amplify. Uh, this is really important. You know, Trey, you you plugged uh, like a lot of these organizations that that could probably facilitate some of these things. You're already plugged into, huh? Yeah, no, it's a good stuff. Before we before we let you go, I I see that you guys you you've also put out a comic book. Yes, we did. So in partnership with Public Health, Seattle Public Health, Public Health King County. Oh, man, we there's a comic book out right now, ultimately just helping families educate their kids um, about vaccination and COVID and everything. And we're super excited about this comic book. Um, and we encourage all families to check it out and 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 help read it to you or not help, but read it to your kid. Look at it. And, it's, you know, it's interesting. Part of the comic book um, is talking about a, a shot. And what resonated with me, my six-year-old, man, when we went to go get our vac vaccinations, oh, my, I had to hold her down, buckle her down. And even when we get the, went to get the booster, I mean, she's already, and, you know, I, and so I'm saying that to say that I know when I read this comic book to my child, um, it's going to more than likely make a difference. But it's, it's, it's some good stuff. Right. I, I think that in, in looking through it, it's available there at the deal website, right? It is. It's, it's on our website as well. Right. When, one thing and, and looking at it is that public health, Seattle, King County has earned the trust mm -hmm. of people in our community. And this is well before COVID. And I think they've, they've reinforced that through COVID. 
but it's because community trust public health that, you know, partnering with them to create this comic book that allows somebody, but especially young people, if you can tell them in advance and set some kind of expectation, they, they definitely respond better. I think that's probably one of the things this comic book uh, was designed to do, right? Yes, it was. It was designed to do that to help our, our young people respond better to it. And you're absolutely right. Public Health, Seattle King County has been an amazing partner, a partner of ours. We actually partnered with Public Health, Seattle Public Health, King County, back in the first uh, education levy in 1990 and started um, they partnering with them. We have uh, teen health clinic centers in all of our uh, high schools here in Seattle that's uh, uh, supported and ran by a uh, partner with Public Health King County. Um, so they've been an amazing partner. Oh, man, that's dope. Good stuff. <laughs> Excuse me. Director, Dr. Dwayne Chappelle. Man, it's always a pleasure, brother. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate you. Appreciate what you're doing for us in the community. So thanks for the support. Oh, thank you. Yeah. What I was saying was uh, thank you. Appreciate what you've done um, with this building this right here, building this platform um, for our uh, black community and our communities of color to really just see the great work that's happening out there. And I just admire what you do. And we're going to keep leveraging your platform to share this great work that we're doing. That's right, man. Anything for these young people. Let me get camera somehow. Big old love to kids. <laughs> so anything for our young people, man, you know, we with it. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, Trey Holiday returns to the set. You're watching the Morning Update show. When COVID first hit, I was very afraid. It was so much things that I had to keep inside because I didn't know where to place my feelings. Most of my information for COVID is from my own research. I'm a doctor in educational leadership. And when the FDA approved Pfizer, it helped me realize that the vaccination is healthy. We don't want to be left behind because we're not taking the vaccine. But we want to get as much information as possible so that we are putting ourselves in better hands and not at great risk. The breathtaking new musical, Afterwards, is the story of the art we make from the love that shapes us. When three women discover unexpected truths, a dazzling mosaic of intersecting lives reveals itself. Featuring a revelatory and soulful new score. Don't miss the world premiere of this captivating new musical, Afterwards, at the Fifth Avenue Theater, April 29th to May 21st. Tickets at fifthavenue.org. All right. Welcome back to more an update show. Welcoming Trey Holiday back to the set. Man, directorship, you know, it's, it's always some good news yeah, in the studio. Absolutely it is. And, you know, this is the thing. We, we talk about this all the time um, in terms of how can, you know, agencies truly support our families and our children. I just really appreciate the intentionality that Dill brings because they are really doing that work in a tremendous way. Yeah, I think one thing, well, there we go. Good stuff. I think that one thing that um that I like to hear with this investment with deal is that like I said, oftentimes we talk about investment and intervention, mm -hmm. right? And you know, clearly investment and intervention is important. We 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 need to disrupt what's happening out there in real time on the streets. And there isn't a lot of talk or equal funding a lot of times for prevention and when we invest in our young people at a young age when we when we invest them and then we're here to support them through all the steps of the way that's also prevention you know and and you know it doesn't ever get heralded enough 
of the people who are committed to prevention, the people when we say are upstream, right? So yes, this is 100% a pure education type thing, investment in education, what people should do. But we know the realities out there on the street. And this is also an investment in prevention. This is also an investment in showing young people what else is out there. I remember as a kid, I was fortunate enough to move around, mm-hmm. kind of see some things. But my mama, I remember we, we, it was a group of us. We took a bus from the Central District to Hurricane Ridge out there in the Olympic Peninsula. And for, for almost everybody on the bus, that was their first time ever leaving the city of Seattle. And to go over there, it took a ferry and went up to Hurricane Ridge. And it was, it was transformational. Just that right there. That didn't involve a, a traditional classroom, right? But showing somebody what's out there, what's possible, you know what I'm saying? Other things beyond what, what they're used to seeing on the everyday. Look, even when we went to Belize, six people who traveled with us, they, they, that was their first passport. Yeah. Four of them had never left the city before, yeah. but they went to Belize. And look, they're going back. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going back. <laughs> so it's, it's important that, man, we, we, we invest in, in education and it's a dual track. And we, we'll find that that investment pays twofold is that we, we have supported, thriving, educated young people. And we're, we're also uh, in bolstering the prevention path here and, and keeping our young people focused on life. And I'm living. I agree 100%. Oh, I think so much of this discussion and the conversation around how um, educational institutions can really do this work. This is one of those ways. Exposure is so key. I mean, we just heard it yesterday from even Monica Matthews was talking about how, look, I had to create the things that I didn't have as a young person, right? And it's so true that when you have young people exposed to different things, particularly when it's like, man, I can see myself in that thing. I can see myself as, as you know, Director Chappelle was just talking about here, you know, what Converge Media is doing is a great example of that. And, you know, as a mother of two young sons, I'm always like, how can I expose you to certain things? Maybe you won't like it, but you won't know until you try it, right? You won't even know until you're in that environment. And so, you know, that for me is something that I have seen um, the transformation, even in just how my sons respond to that. I agree. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say this, I know we got to move on, but, you know, every time I talk to Director Hersey, who's now school board as a president uh, of the school board, and he talks about issues out there at the school. And I tell him, what are you doing to challenge the parents? Mm-hmm. What are you doing to challenge community? You know, our parents can't just show up when there's a suspension notice. Our parents can't just show up because they don't like the, you know, the hours that are changing on the bus. They've never looked at the homework. They never looked at the syllabus. They never been to a parent teacher meeting. And now you can do it. My mama used to ride the bus 48. You know what I'm saying? To make it to them PTA meetings. And now you can do it on zoom. And so when we put the investment in bolstering our community, you know, it, it also creates an opportunity for us to challenge our community members to be part and parcel of the education. Or you've, my mama says she'd been a fool to think, that just sending the kids to school was going to educate your kid. Like we, we have to have our parents and our community members involved in the process. And let's be clear. I understand some of our parents and our community, they're not in a position. They're, They're not in that space right now 
where 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 they can they can offer uplift and be involved in everything else. And that's where people like us, you know, and community as a whole, we have to find ways to bridge that gap and let our young people know that they're loved and that they're cared about. Agreed. A hundred percent. Oh, last thing I'll say on this is I'm seeing this take shape in federal way. Right. I was just attending a school board meeting um, a couple months ago. And, you know, one of the things that I said there is, you know, the accessibility of these things. There's a lot of families who cannot afford the luxury of participating. So my presence and me bringing my son there, who was the only young person to speak to that entire school board, they heard his story, right? They reached out to us. They were intentional about making sure that they understood the details of his story and the details of our experience. And that was nothing more than just an example of what so many Black students are dealing with in the federal way public school system. So, so much of us that can be there and be present, it's important that we do show up. We're showing up for a wide variety of families who do not have the luxury to do so. Yeah, these are our community members, and we, we should never forget. And, you know, and I would say this, is we get a lot of elders who watch the show and they got to understand it. We're like, well, man, you know, I used to be there every day and I was this and that. And, you know, we, we've got a generation of, of parents here who, man, it's different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And the best thing that we could do is acknowledge that. And we need to we need to love our community members. We need to see it. We need to be real about where they're at. And what they can do. And we need to love our community members in our community enough that we make the difference. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to pop in right now. We got an update from Brian Callanan, Seattle News Views and Brews, of course, which airs tonight at 7 p.m. And here's a preview. Hey, guys, sorry, I can't join you in person, but I did want to make sure I updated people on what's happening on Seattle News Views and Brews and also something you want to keep an eye on with the Seattle City Council later on this week. So we're talking about a number of things on the show. David Croman and I, David Croman from The Seattle Times, we're talking about this big issue that is in front of the Seattle City Council right now how to retain more police officers, how to attract police officers to the SPD. As you have seen, and we're talking about it on the program, there have been competing plans in between Councilmember Lisa Herbold and Councilmember Sarah Nelson. So we're talking about those different things. Are there some needs for relocation bonuses for officers? Is there a need for hiring bonuses for officers? How effective are those hiring bonuses really in terms of keeping officers with the department or even attracting them on. The mayor, since we recorded the podcast, has actually figured out a bit of a truce between these two council members who have competing measures here. So we will see how that one pans out. But I also wanted to pass along, there is something that's on the docket with the council over the next couple of weeks here dealing with the pay up legislation. I've been talking about this on the podcast with David over the past couple of weeks here. So these are people like DoorDash, people who work for Care.com, Rover, things like that. The city council is trying to put together some different regulations that would allow these people to get a minimum wage and also some other protections on their job. So a lot of pushback from the different industries like the executives from DoorDash, et cetera, which you might expect. But we're going to be watching this over the next couple of weeks. And in talking with David about this, we're really talking about how this industry is really changing. The gig worker industry, it's changing very quickly. The city council is doing its best to catch up with it. And finally, I just wanted to make sure that people had it on their radar. This afternoon at two o'clock, 
the city council, the land use committee is actually working on a comprehensive plan update. Now, this is going on for a long, long time, but this is basically how our city is going to grow over the next 20 years. They're saying that race and social justice is at the center of this process. We'll really see how that looks, but we're talking about potential changes for neighborhoods, neighborhoods that were traditionally single family homes. Well, we're gonna see some changes there. So a lot happening with that, with this meeting this afternoon at two o'clock. Make sure you're checking that out. And of course, make sure you're checking out Seattle News, Views and Brews right here on Converge, seven o'clock on Wednesdays, Wednesdays, I should say. Thanks guys. Brian Cowan in there. Yeah, seven o'clock tonight. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a great show. You know, that land use, that's that's a big thing. You know, the, the last time the city made a plan, it looked like black people wasn't in, included in the plan. I think Africatown came up with their version of Seattle 2035. And you're talking about land use now for the next 20 years. Yeah, this is huge. I mean, I think there's been some real uh, connection to community because it was an outpour. Uh, you know, shout out to Africatown Community Land Trust for really uh, leading some of that discussion and saying, wait a minute, something has to be done here. But not enough community members and organizations organizations were involved. And so they started to open it up and um, they have been having some intentional meetings uh, in community, bringing people back to the table. I know I participated in some of that to really showcase like what does it look like to make sure that uh, in, in 20 years, we're talking about uh, really reflecting the diversity of the city. Um, you know, we saw that it wasn't happening before. Oh, and now, you know, when we have uh, community led uh, development projects happening in our uh, city, uh, we're seeing it in um, all different areas of the city, which is phenomenal because it's necessary. And they're realizing the city doesn't have all the answers and they can't do all of this work. And so they're part, they've really partnered with uh, community-based organizations to do this work. Shout out to the Equitable Development Initiative for being uh, a real resource to these development projects, oftentimes being the first uh, funding source in, which uh, allows a lot of these uh, community development projects to thrive and to be built. So you're right. Oh, there's a a lot being done in this yeah this is going to be a heated debate because you know what what a lot of people are saying is a lot of legacy neighborhood our neighborhood by the way is a legacy neighborhood yeah which goes back 140 years before washington was even a state but i should say a lot of more affluent legacy neighborhoods uh, man they're not for the rezoning they're not for more density and everything else you know, uh, I'll be honest with you, in the Central District, we weren't for that either, you know, um, and basically we got pushed out and <laughs> doing it anyway. Um, and so, you know, you've got you've got a lot of legacy neighborhoods here that are still intact. Right. And, you know, re rezoning and zoning, I think, is going to be a big issue here. I'm glad Brian brought that up. That's something what we're following. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to say, too, that we, we were, we've been talking about this policing issue. Somebody sent me this today, and I just want to just touch on it really quickly, because uh, the Department of Justice is now launching law enforcement knowledge labs. Um, and, and really, basically, what these are is they're uh, opportunities for uh, law enforcement agencies to learn about best practices in terms of community policing, what it looks like to build relationships with community, what it looks like to repair trust. Um, from different harm that has, uh, you know, really transpired in a lot of different communities across the country. This is a federal, um, uh, you know, initiative that they are pushing. But it, I think it's really interesting because when we keep talking about the type of officer, right, um, we also talk about the fact that there's a lot of training, a lot of resources out there, but it's about if people and agencies 
choose to use them. Again, this is not something that's going to be enforced, but it just offers an opportunity for officers to learn about best practices. For me, it's all about, hey, are they going to actually choose to use this? It's voluntary, yo. We'll see. I remember when Meyerberg was still over at OPA and one time I interviewed him, he said he had sent like 80, 85 policy change recommendations over to SPD. And I think they, you know, like took a handful, if any. So you're right. It's going to be up to them. Uh, Man, getting out of here. I'm getting out of here on time today. Before we go, it looks like me and you were going on a date, right? Yeah, I'm so looking forward to this marriage of Figaro. Uh, there it is right there. Norman Garrett was here. And let me tell you, he was nice and sharp, but he said that ain't nothing compared to the costumes he's going to be wearing on stage at the opera. Looking forward to that on Sunday. Yeah, so I'm going to put the link there in the comments. The marriage of Figaro. I, man, I wasn't here that day. That that brother was sharp. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I was thinking was, what's up with the height of these opera singers, man? He you know, was tall. Joshua Conyers was super man. tall. I'm like, man. And, and even what you call you were you were still in uh, Virgin Island when when Damiel Cruz was yeah. here, the the, ba the ballet dancer. Yeah. Damiel Cruz was like, oh yes, yeah, ballet, this and that. Bro was like, <laughs> where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? Where? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna go, we're gonna have a good time at the Seattle Opera on Sunday. And you know, there's nobody else I'd rather be going to the opera with than you. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining me. It's gonna be a fun show. All right, we're gonna get out of here, Trey Holiday. No overtime today. It's on time. Any last words? Always for me, see yourself as a part of the solution. Clearly, uh director Day Dwayne Chappelle was here telling us about how he's doing it at Deal. You guys got to be inspired by the guests that we bring here. We always are encouraging you to be a part of the solution out there. It's necessary. Yeah, and I, I would say this. Is it, man, let's remember that to love our community and love our community members. And, you know, we got, we got people in our community at all phases and stages in life, and it's real easy for us to discard our community members, especially the ones that are struggling. And man, let's just remember to, to keep some space in our heart, you know what I'm saying? And some grace in our spirit for our community members and, and these young people that are out there. Because you know what? Ain't nobody coming to save us. People can offer tools. And that's one of the things that the deal is doing. But you know what? For us to save ourselves, that's where it's at. And so and that's going to start with us loving each other and loving our community. On that note. We'll send you off here with a little bit of hope from Shana Shepard. Want to remind you, go forward in your purpose. Go forward in your humanity. And until tomorrow at 11 a.m., peace. peace. What do I fear after all these years? Lord knows I don't even know. I've been running on the edge of the sundown, sleeping in the shadow. I've been begging you to see me, then hiding beyond the unreachable. Looking now left on a right hand turn, just trying to Searching for the end.
produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.